Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. This is a little snippet from our June 8th meeting where we talked about Terraform going 1.0, Ansible, the Fastly break, um, sort of mix all those things together with a little bit of vendor gossip. And it is fascinating because we really thought about what it's going to be like now that Terraform is released. And is that going to help the industry, hurt the industry, and what changes might be in stock? So enjoy this little 20-minute uh, segment. Fastly had a bug and took down all the... Uh... I was, I was hoping to talk about that and see what, what people, what, what y'all thought. I haven't seen any diagnostics. Uh, I just heard about it. That and uh, Terraform finally going GA. Ah. <laughs> Big one how many, how many years has it been? Uh, lots. <laughs> Not, yeah, maybe. Yeah, do you think it's, I'm, I'm interested if y'all think it's gonna make a difference. If, if the one milestone is going to, it's already dominant in the market. Well, I mean, the, the big thing, is, it depends on whether they stick to their word or not. So that they're saying that uh, all the one point releases will be backwards compatible and even like the, the minor versions. So um, that's good, I guess as long as they don't push 2.0 out too fast. Exactly. It's like, oh, we want to change the API. Let's change, let's uh, move 2.0 out to like three months from now. <laughs> hmm. But Rob, you made it sound like a virus. <laughs> Terraform? Yeah, you said 1.0 seems to be the dominant. <laughs> well, ter Terraform, Terraform is, it has achieved a degree of ubiquity and I saw some statistics on it um, where they were talking about how how many providers and things like that it's, it has a degree of ubiquity that's really impressive um, for you know it's, it's basically a free tool it's, I barely I don't consider it particularly open source but um, I mean it is open but it's made free as in beer not as in speech <laughs> yeah well, it's not. It's it's got not a, even a freezing beer. Crazy community, but it, it really is a HashiCorp product. Yeah. Right. There's no community governance. There's no and and that's not bad. I'm I'm not. It just in one o. The, the the question that I I think about on that does one o unlock even more frenetic use and embedding it in things or does it not change at all? And I, I can go, I, I, that's my first question. I have follow-ups from that, but. I, I don't think it's gonna see a sharp rise in use. You might see particularly some perhaps government use now that it's finally out of beta because uh, yeah, just, just because of that. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, Plumi has been making inroads, so they're, they're starting to, to take a chunk out of the Terraform pie. Um, whether they're, they'll continue doing so or, or whether it'll flatline, that's yet to be seen. Well, that might be actually part of the um, 
the reasoning behind the 1.0. I mean, one of the things I've noticed in the past uh, month is a lot more advertising about Terraform, Terraform seminars, uh, lots of different companies uh, pushing it through various, you know, talks and things like that and demos. And so it might be that HashiCorp wants to squash the competition and by going 1.0, it makes it a lot more a, a lot more feasible for a lot of these companies to push it. Yeah, or, or maybe not not squash, but at least not go the way of I'll say puppet, where they when Ansible and Chef and came out, they did bled a, a lot of users just because they were moving so slowly. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. That's not why I think they bled users. Huh. Well, I mean, what what what's why I'm I'm interested in your your analysis on it. it just it I wasn't expecting you to describe that as the reason. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, moving slowly is, is perhaps not the right way to to describe it. Um. I can, in retrospect, perhaps uh, having a baggage-free environment yes. uh, to start with. Uh, I, I can see that because one of the things, it, it's interesting. Um, we had Rob Sun as uh, an intern uh, one summer, and it was a summer, and he was, he was doing Docker stuff. And it was Docker, and you do Puppet, Chef, Ansible, and the container, the rise of the container uh, really threw Puppet for a loop. And Puppet didn't have real solutions at the time that Ansible was workable with the containers. Hmm. And Rob's son kind of demonstrated it to us. <laughs> it was, yeah, well, those tools inside containers were really anti-patterns. Um, I, I think that they had trouble they had, they had some trouble with the whole cloud init options too, where you were creating and destroying machines really rapidly. Yeah. Um, which come to think of it, like Puppet, at least in theory, should have been the winner out of that. Because Ansible, I mean, yes, Ansible has Ansible pull, but it, it, that's, that Ansible pull still to me feels like a clutch to do. <laughs> to deal with, with those kind of in, in its scenarios. Yes. Um, uh, I like that description. Getting, getting closer to the reason why I think Ansible and Terraform actually are um, popular tools compared to um, Pulumi and uh, Puppet and Chef. And it, this is actually a dilemma that, that we look at too. Um, Ansible is a client tool, not a server tool. And Chef and Puppet require a server. So the, the lift to set that up and make that work is higher. Like that's that's a mm -hmm. it's it's a barrier. To, to me, it's a it's an operational challenge because I think that we're gonna it's it's always gonna be Wild West spaghetti code because of the way those tools are designed. Um and I've, I've heard Ansible Tower described as like the medicine for the pain that Ansible created. 
but the fact that you don't have to install something or get permission to install something is a part of the magic. I don't think it's a good part of the magic, but it's part of the low resistance and, and reducing barriers to adoption. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that, that, the, that the, like the, it being agentless is the, was the resistance. I mean, after all, you install agents for monitoring and, and for lots of other things. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, talking about like the, the, the server side part, the, that hits closer to the home. Um, and, and that the, the, the entry barrier was much lower. With Ansible, you, you, could, you could install Ansible on your desktop and you could within minutes start pushing config changes to, to servers or, or at least do a proof of concept for that. Mm -hmm. um, That's right. With, with, with Salsac, well, you, you, and, 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 and Puppet as well, you need to start setting up your servers, you need to start worrying about uh, TLS certs. Uh, it becomes, like, it, 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 as I said before, the entry barrier is, is higher. You, you, might, you might end up further down the line coasting along more easily than Ansible if you have uh, more work and like on the long tail of, of things. Uh, but to many, like the, that, that initial uh, cliff uh, is, um, I mean, it's not unscalable, but it's, it's daunting if, if you're not familiar with it. And that's, I, I agree with you. This is, this to me, it's the interesting thing about these, these tools. They have very low barriers to entry, but not particularly optimal. The mm -hmm. day two, like Terraform day two, is is hard. Oops, oh yeah. My, uh, oops, I lost my state file. Oops, they passable <laughs> and right. This is hopefully with you know hopefully with one o they're done making these breaking changes. But um, I mean I I feel like every time I turn around I'm being asked to download a new new version of uh, Terraform. Oh, mm -hmm. we came out with fourteen dot one. Upgrade your fourteen dot o. Yeah, not just that, but uh, like providers changing compatibility, like features breaking from one version to another. So you need to pin to an old version that may not have future features that you want. Um, or, the, or the schema of a provider changes and that's going to break the, yeah. the data store. That's... Yeah. Uh, dependencies. Uh, like Terraform is okay at resolving dependencies for itself, but once you start adding things like Kubernetes, the Kubernetes provider is horrible with dependencies. Like you, you need to do resource targeting in, in order to bring stuff up in the right order and forget about destroying. So yeah, uh, I mean, hopefully 1.0 at least will provide a stable platform so that the providers will have the opportunity to catch up and play nice with each other. <laughs> one can hope. Uh, one can hope. The, the, the thing that, so we, we have some patterns that use Terraform. 
um, for cloud provisioning. So instead of writing our own interfaces to the clouds, it was much smarter for us to wrap Terraform. Um, and the thing that I'm curious about in the 1.0 is does that make our embedding Terraform safer or less safe and more acceptable or less acceptable to customers in that model? Yes. <laughs> and that's that's how I feel about it. It's like I could see Terraform or Apache ultimately getting start trying to draw boundaries on this stuff, right? Oh, wait, we don't want your commercial product to use Terraform. Um, I don't know how they stop it, but it seems like Alan. Hmm. Are you worried that they might go the uh, elastic route with their licensing? I, I could see it. I could see, you know, I, I know that there are products that embed Terraform into their product um, or service providers that embed it into their service. Like you might not even see that it's doing it, but it's they're using Terraform as part of the piece. And ideally the 1.0 stuff should make everybody be like, this is awesome. Now we can depend on it. You know, my, you know, my automation is going to be more durable because now I'm using the, the released, you know, the release version of Terraform. Um, because right now it sort of sucks. If they change stuff, you know, we throw all sorts of warnings and it's, it's risky and it changes every two months. And that's sort of, that wasn't that much fun. Um, especially for backwards compatibility, like you were mentioning. Um, but, you know, with 1.0, certainly, you know, I don't know what they're, and I haven't read about what they were trying to do from a commercialization plan. Because <coughs> um, it's not a, it's not a community, it's not Kubernetes, it's not a community governed tool. It's, you're right, it's like Elastic. Um, the owner of that, that repo could, go wherever they want with it. Um, I guess in that case, we would just have a, we would fork it, community would fork it and say, all right, well, this is now a community maintained fork of, of, that, co of that code and we could name it something else and rock on with it, I suppose. I, I guess the, the difference is in this case, AWS will not be part of that forking community because they have they have no investment in Terraform that they have their cloud formation, right? Right, it will except for their own provider. Mm -hmm. Which I suspect has a big enough community for it that it could be community maintained. Um, no. it's, a, it's this is this is where I'm you know, I, I use I use something like that with some trepidation. I use Ansible. It's funny, I'm not as concerned about Ansible. Um, Red Hat hasn't signaled that they're that 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 they're managing it like they manage other things in their portfolio. Um, and it's been it's been thoroughly embedded in pretty much everybody else's product. Um, there's a ton of things that use Ansible to do whatever setup they need to do behind the scenes. Um, um, 
I, I'm not sure how I feel about their um, their Ansible um, module uh, restructuring that that they did over the past year. But um, yeah, I, I guess that's something that remains to be seen too. Like what what Red Hat or or IBM um, will end up doing about it. I, I think it comes back to a question of whether they can commercialize um, or if they want to commercialize that type of thing, right? I don't know how much business they get out of Tower. Um, I know that they embedded Ansible deeply into satellite. Satellite and Tower slowly sort of converging. Um, but um, slowly because those products aren't getting that much love um, as far as I can tell. We see Tower a, a lot, a bit in the field, um, not with a lot of enthusiasm, but we do see it. Meaning the customers aren't usually super crazy about it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. But it, I think this is one of those, those market components where we have a couple of single vendor tools that, that are carrying a lot of weight in the market from a configuration standpoint. And we're what, one, one or two bad actions away from those tools becoming, um, and there's no indication that either vendor is gonna do that. Um, but they're, they're, you know, as, as HashiCorp drives towards a public offering, monetizing Terraform is, could definitely be seen as one of the things they wanna do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, alongside the, the rest of our portfolio, which may not be as impactful, uh, like to the same degree as Terraform, but uh, there's certainly a lot of people relying on it. Like, imagine, imagine if they if they start pull the rug on Vault. Vault Vault makes them a lot of money. Yeah, but you're right. If they could start, they could be much more restrictive commercially on it. I, I think they've done a good job, like with Vault, anything security related, of people wanting to get the enterprise versions for, you know, security controls and things like that. And it could be that there's a, a, a set of features coming for Terraform, also like secrets unlocking and stuff like that, that would help do security work that they might not want to, that they would not share. That would be my bet. They, Tighter integration between Vault and Terraform would be a common enterprise product. Thank you for listening to uh, our little vendor gossip session. Uh, I hope it was helpful. We, we do this on a regular basis when there's news, and I find it fascinating to compare notes about what's going on with the industry and get other perspectives because we see these events so differently. So please come in, join us for the lunch uh, at the 2030.cloud. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and 
you know, laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.